Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Gondas Malka. Welcome to Womanity Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Miss South Africa 2023, Natasha Joubert, who holds a BCom marketing management. She's a fashion designer and owner of fashion brand Natalia Jeffries. Welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for having me. Um, it's a really an honor and a privilege to be on a show like this. So super excited for it. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. And first of all, massive congratulations on winning the Miss SA pageant for 2023. Thank you. Yo, it's been a journey. Eh? I mean, I started back in 2020. I entered the first time. So it does feel like that full circle moment of when I stood on the stage, I was like, okay, it was worth it. All the pain, all the like disappointments, it was worth it. And I mean, you've had an incredible journey starting in 2020, being placed second runner up and then three years entering again. If if anything, that is a lesson of perseverance. What motivated you to try for the title a second time round? Mm. Yo, I'll be very honest, like this dream wasn't something that I just on the spot said, you know what, let me try for Miss South Africa this year and let's see how it goes. It really was something I've been wanting to do since I was a little girl. So ever since I was like 10, 11, um, I did my first pageant at my primary school. And even though Miss South Africa is nothing like pageants, it's, it's a completely different platform. As a little girl, you don't know that. And um, I remember I did a competition after my primary school competition called Centurion Schools. And Nicole Flint was a judge, which was Miss South Africa in 2009. And I remember afterwards, I said to my mom, like, I want a picture with her. And, you know, I envied this woman so much. And I didn't know back at the time, being so young, why? That's where it started off. I do want to be Miss South Africa. I want to be that woman of inspiration of, you know, a, a little girl looking up to me and you don't even have to pinpoint why, but you feel inspired by her. And so in 2020, I was like, you know what? I said to myself, if I get my degree, I'll, I'll be done studying, then I can enter. And so in 2020, I did get my marketing degree and I was like, so this is the year, COVID and all, you said you were going to enter the year you are graduating. So I took the leap of faith in 2020 and, you know, I've been following Miss South Africa during the years. And so I knew this year was so different and it, everything was online. We didn't really know what to expect. And eventually the process ended after six months and I was second runner up. And back then now reflecting, I wasn't really as surprised for not winning because I knew it was such a hard journey with myself internally that I wasn't at the pinnacle of confidence. I wasn't at that point of saying, I'm fully owning who I am as a woman. Um, I'm, I'm fully like stepping into that best version of myself. So now obviously knowing what I know, I didn't expect to win, but I really wanted to represent us at Miss Universe. When we entered in 2020, every single contestant knew if you were in the top three, every single girl in the top three would go internationally, Miss World, Miss Supranational, Miss Universe. And so I had my head on Miss Universe. I was like, I want to go to Miss Universe. And I'm now second runner up. So the chances of that happening isn't really big. And I got Miss Universe. And I was like, okay, you know, this makes up for not winning Miss South Africa. And almost is like a, a putting a plaster over the wound. And 
I now devote myself to preparing for Miss Universe. Everything I did was breathing, living to represent us internationally, which when I found out in November of 2020, it would have happened that February. So it would have been like a three-month journey. They now would have known if I won or not. But I was second on the up. So the chances of winning overseas, I knew it wasn't very realistic. And it got pushed to May. And I was like, okay, this journey of prepping is becoming really long. And so I went to Miss Universe. And the reason why I tell this story is that was a really big, big reason of why I came back. I didn't play top 21. After we have won in three years, we were top three uh, three years straight and now I come people have high expectations of South Africa and I do not even place top 21 it was a huge thing in the pageant community and also for South Africa I remember when I got back they were even more mad than I was and uh, that's where I fully really did feel the support of the nation and I know it's in something so controversial in a sense but I really did feel like that's where people fully stood behind me. And I do feel like that's what gave me that little bit of motivation of when I come back, I come back for South Africa. And so time passes. I had to work through these struggles because I did fall in, in depression shortly after coming back from the US. You have this busy schedule. You are devoted to something. You have motivation. You have drive. And you come back and there's nothing. And so I think for my system, that wasn't something I was fully prepared for. And I went to see a psychologist that August and I started my journey with therapy sessions. And then last year, October, I started with a life coach as well. Something that completely changed my life. Like when I say it's probably the best thing you can do for yourself if you want to invest in yourself, it's therapy. Whether you have something big to deal with or whether it's something small or whether you feel like you're stagnating and you just really want to push more as a woman and you want to really live up to that full potential regardless of what you're do doing, whether it's motherhood, whether it's career, for a pageant, for a sports events, I really do feel like that was a pivotal moment of realizing I've changed a lot. The way I was thinking the way I was emotionally processing things when I was even in a conversation, it's such a weird feeling to explain to people that you feel different in the way that you respond in the way that when someone says something offensive, not to take offense and be like, they probably see it in that light and not really know me. So I knew there was this little, maybe I should come back to Miss South Africa because I do feel like a different person. Mm -hmm. And by the time the entries came, I knew I, I just was not the same, Natasha. And it was through it was through depression and discovering myself and rediscovering myself. So I entered. But also through that journey, COVID happened. So it's not just uh, another day in the life of, of a normal world. Um, massive transformations, both from an internal point of view, the things that you're doing, but also our environments shifted completely. Yes. And I do think uh, the weight of what a Miss South Africa should be ever since COVID has also changed a lot. I think when you look back in the day, and I'm only speaking from being a little girl and looking at Miss South Africa pageants, it was, I wouldn't say just lits and glams, but the majority was. And now we know that there's such a big responsibility in what you do as a Miss South Africa that I knew like 2023 entering Miss South Africa to maybe 10 years ago, it's so much different. 
And I had a story to tell, a very meaningful one, because so many people throughout COVID struggled with depression or how to readjust to the new normal. What does that feel like? What does that sound like? Um, what does that look like for my future? And so I knew when I went back into Miss Africa, I would speak on a lot more meaningful things that people can relate to. And it made me so much more confident because uh, I owned that story. I didn't, I wasn't crippled by it anymore. And I knew that was purpose that I wanted to bring to Miss South Africa. Whereas to 2020, I was really still figuring out like, yes, I have so many things, you know, I, I really spoke on starting my business when I was 19 and my father passing when I was 16 and going through that trauma at su such a young age. But yet I didn't fully have that like, this is what I want to do as a woman and what I can do to empower others because I've been through it. And you only know once you go through it. It sounds like you've got a lot of ownership and, and confidence in yourself going through this journey. And one of the things that, that struck me, which was, I suppose, a little bit different about this year's uh, competition was through crown chases. And this whole idea of being able to exemplify the pillars of, of Miss Essay, so being duty, championship, empowerment, and then beauty. And as you've said earlier, you know, Miss Essay is not a, a typical pageant. Out of all of those challenges, which ones would you say grew you the most? Crown chases in itself, I will forever have my utmost respect to the Miss South Africa organization because I can compare 2020 to 2023 and what they are trying to do through crown chases, no girl leaves Miss South Africa worse. And I think that's what I love so much about the platform. Crown chases was something of its own. It was really hard for me. And I went to Miss Universe. I went through Miss South Africa and I would say out of all of the challenges, episode four of doing the TED Talks was personally the hardest for me. And I speak on hardest because I feel like when something is that hard for you, you do grow the most and you do learn a lot about yourself when you struggle. And so the, the challenge was to, you know, I wouldn't say give a motivational speak, but really speak on where you come from, what has made you the woman that you are today. And even though I've worked so much through all my childhood trauma and the trauma of Miss Universe and, you know, going through all these experiences, um, feeling financially, not feeling, being financially excluded from studying, not having financial means growing up, there was a lot of baggage, like, baggage but then when you work through it it is more of a story to tell and so I knew that was the episode of the story that needs to be told and so in order to do that you really do place yourself somewhere where you feel emotional you have to connect emotionally to get that across to the audience and so I knew that was the task for me to say you came back to Miss South Africa to tell the story here's literally a challenge that says tell the story. So I knew I had to get myself emotionally to a place that doesn't always feel great, especially how tired we were by episode episode four, how long it's been. We've been booked in for a month with no rest days. It was literally girls falling out every three, four days. It was emotional for everyone. 
not all the girls knew how to deal with it. Everyone went through a difficult stage at different points. So it was just a lot. And I remember walking up and I was like, it felt very competitive because we were only eight left and everyone had a story to tell. And I just went up and I said, this is not going to be a competition about if my story resonates the most. Like this is really just about me opening up. And um, I did cry that entire, entire day. I couldn't get myself to a place to be like, done and dusted, let's go on. I was so emotional. I skipped dinner that night. I listened to praise and worship and I just really was so emotional the entire time because this was a very defining moment for me. It was all these years of building character and this moment of really putting it into words. And so episode four was hard. I would say episode one solely because that was the first time that we knew what we were getting ourselves into. We were just put in the studio and we waited for six hours before it started. And they're like, okay, so you're going to do an onstage question session. Then you're going to walk this ramp and this is what it's going to be. And we didn't have any expectation of what it's going to be like. Um, but episode four for me was a lot of emotions that was building up. And then I would say episode five really did show character. Um, everyone was tired, ready to go home. We did an eight-minute interview on stage session with new judges, and they weren't lenient. They were really just so tough on us. Um, by the time we got back in August, it was easy, like going through interviews, and we were expecting the worst, but it was just so easy for everyone because we went through ground chases. It sounds as though it was an amazing experience, one which not only exposed and allowed you to express your vulnerabilities, to be comfortable in that space, but so much prep work for life after yeah. Crown Chasers and, and into Miss SA. So now your Miss SA won the competition. It has seen you already in a variety of travels, Mauritius, France, how would you say winning has, has changed your life? Mm. South Africa has done a lot for me personally ever since 2020 and Miss Universe. So, yes, this has amplified that, but it did happen gradually for me and the journey that I've been on. I do feel like the night I won, I knew exactly what was expected of me because of the past experience I had. And I do want to always touch on where I came from and the experiences of the past because that played a big role. So I can't just say the night of changed my life because when I was granted going to Miss Universe, I was already representing South Africans in a different way. And so that's where I really was put more in the public eye and there was a lot of expectation on me, but I didn't have the schedule or the opportunities or uh, the networking events that a Miss South Africa would have. I just had them more like the international going there and then it's done. Um, but when I explain to someone, when you are Miss South Africa, you really do step into a room and people will listen and that is something that changes your life. Uh, you will get conversations and speak to people that you've never had the opportunity to speak to. You will sit in front row seats at Paris Fashion Week with people that you always just saw on TV and envied. 
And I think that in itself says a lot about the power of the platform is it's also how you utilize it. So it definitely changed, changed my life. It, it's, I mean, forever I know that it will help me uh, in the future of just being a South African. People, people have a different um, trust in you if they know that you were a previous Miss South Africa. Very true. It is a powerful platform and you are, are walking into this with a title that is forever going to change your life. How do you plan to, to use the platform? Already using it um, and really, really excited about it. The meeting before this interview was actually regarding my project. Um, so I don't want to focus on only one thing and even though I know, you know, South Africa has many issues. It's it's not issues I can solve. Um, I can't solve all, all of them. But like I said, you, when you speak out of experience, it, it you do it a, a lot more personal. And that for me was being financially excluded when I wanted to study when I was 18. So my main focus for this year will be education. I'm partnering with many um, organizations and brands to give bursaries to people who can't afford it. So that's something I'm really actively busy with. I'm working with three different institutions on uh, doing that for students. So that is going to be something I will be rolling out in the new academic year. It does take a lot of planning, a lot of back and forth logistics and how we select the students and to make sure we set them up for success. Uh, so that will be something I will be focusing on and have experience with myself. I studied through bursaries myself, so very, very excited. It, it does feel like purpose being lived out. Studying is important, having that education. You've got your BCom marketing management. And if you can, talk us through your application process for bursaries because that is your, your fundamental of your campaign. And without financial inclusion, it, it just equates to exclusion. So tell us a little about the processes that you took, because if you've got your qualification, it becomes a ticket to the game. It really does. For me, it's a little bit unique and different because I did pageants growing up and I would actually win the bursaries there. So it wasn't really applying for them. It was using what you knew at the time, which for me was walking on a stage with a dress, but with intention because I knew I needed to win that bursary by the end of the day. So I would always go for the ones that I knew had bursaries because I knew, listen, I need a plan of action. My brother and my sister immediately after school also worked and paid there for their own studies through UNISA. And I just knew I didn't want to go the traditional way of studying something through UNISA. Um, even though that would have been the second option. Um, so I would win these Boston bursaries through a few competitions. It wasn't like a once-off, okay, there's your degree fully paid. So I would every time like win like a 30,000 rand uh, prize from Boston. That was part of the prize package. And then three months later, it would be the same organizer and I would go again for that competition and be like, you need to win this one because we really need that bursary. So then I entered with Boston. Only the first year I studied business uh, management because I didn't have the, the, the amount of bursaries for a three-year uh, degree. So at that point, I was like, okay, if there's any amount that's left, I also did start working first day out of school. So I would then just pay the difference. 
And eventually I, I accumulated enough to switch over to a marketing degree and further my studies. And I even had an events planning course left, which I also did. I was like, it's a 10,000 rand, you do it, even if it's going to help you somewhere, somehow. And so that's how I accumulated all the bursaries in order to study. And I think what's so beautiful story to tell that when I entered my South Africa, before I entered in 2023, I phoned Boston up and I was like, listen, I don't think you guys actually know this, but I did my all degree through you guys, through the bursaries that you guys gifted as prizes. I want to do that for other learners as well. And because I already had quite a following on social media, I could return something to them and they were keen. So I went back to my um, institution that I studied through with bursaries and they came on board. So it's, you know, it's also just using the platform for, for the good. And if you have a platform, even if it's minimal that you can help to help. That's a really powerful story, but also showcasing such a massive reality that often You've got a three-year degree, but mm-hmm. in terms of the bursaries, you may only have enough for, for year one. And if you don't have this throughput of this accumulation, so many dreams are, are cut short. So what I'm trying to do with the bursaries that I am getting together is, even if it's not a three-year degree, because there would be different different ones, like, for instance, with the Boston uh project that we are doing it's more on a few different categories so there is a degree for marketing but then there's also in videography because we also are neglecting the creative space like we think of the traditional business management marketing law degree but we don't think of the people who want to be going into social media and videographers and photography so what i am trying to also do with all these institutions is saying even if it is a one-year qualification to give them a full qualification and not just pay for a one-year of a three-year degree because they aren't going to just upkeep it. I know from past experience, if I had to pay 120,000 rand, it wouldn't have been possible to finish it up. So I'm trying to also be a realistic that it's something they can utilize afterwards and that will help them afterwards. Mm-hmm. And these days, like even though, yes, in order to become a medical doctor or lawyer, you do need the full four-year full, full, four and the admissions, but it's not with all industries the same. Absolutely. But you're speaking about skill sets. You're you're talking about qualifications which enable someone to, to get a job. It doesn't have to be within the formal sector. And one of the things that I find you know really um inspiring about you is your entrepreneurial spirit. And to quote you from winning the pageant, winning Miss SA. You said entrepreneurship lies at the heart of innovation and economic growth. It's the driving force that propels nations forward, creating jobs, nurturing creativity, and fostering a spirit of resilience. And with your entrepreneurial journey, I mean, that's led you to conceptualize your fashion brand, Natalia Jeffries, which creates these stunning, stunning dresses. Briefly, walk us through the birth of your brand and your entrepreneurial journey. I mean, as you are saying it now, I'm like, yo, it sounds so nice. But meanwhile, you know, when it started, like it was not as nice and glamorous and as beneficial as it is now. Um, It really, if I may take you back through the whole story, when I was 13, 
we lost our childhood home, right? And my father lost his job. And that's where my mother kind of had to find a second job. She was working in the bank full time. And so she did sewing in school, but she eventually taught herself to do it fully. And she started making my pageant dresses for me because we couldn't afford to have someone made it because we just lost everything at that point. But my mom still wanted me to do pageants. Eventually, other people that was competing asked, do you make for other people or only for your child? And she's like, no, 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 the extra income, like the 700 rand or the 500 rand. So she started making for other people as well. And I would say when I was 16, you know, that's where you become at that difficult stage of you want to have your input and your style. And so I would have a say in everything that was made. My mother would give me like the the leeway of, okay, what do you want? And um, the creative input. And so we started doing it together. I would do the embellishment. I actually do still have a picture of me, well, of us sitting in the garage and me sitting on the floor with the, uh, I don't know what you call it in English, but the soldier that that burns out the lace and me like doing the the creative part on the bodice myself and my mom doing the sewing. And so when I was in grade 10, I took arts and I switched over in grade 11 to designing. But it wasn't fashion designing, it was just design. And in matric for our final year project, it was open to anything. And so the only thing I knew in that space that I was really good at was a dress and so we had 24 hours to create our piece and I I sewed a dress in class and I and I said you know what I actually really do love this I still have this huge um a1 or a2 binder where I like have the name and I like put some inspo pictures and because I I was like I want to have a fashion design company Sunday but it really wasn't obviously something serious but my mom and I were still making my dresses together and in first year, it was in July 2016, I registered Natalia Jeffries. And it wasn't back then a company that was just up and running and going. It was just the name was registered. And my mom was still like, we had her brand name. And we merged it. And we started a solid company out of it. Where we said, okay, we're now doing the dresses. We've been doing it for a few years now. We can actually start and make it a little bit more classy now. We have the name. And I was obviously more on the bandwagon of social media and my mom isn't. Um, so I was taking over the, the social media, but still doing the bodice pieces. And that's where I would say it fully did become a business. And it definitely grew over the years. It wasn't just what it is now. Like, yes, now it's word of mouth. We get recurring clients. We have a beautiful studio. We have a seamstress. We are looking to get another seamstress. So it did take years and years. And so last year, my mom lost her job at the bank after 30 years. And now she's fully um, in Natalia Jeffries and all her income is from there. So everything worked out because as I am in South Africa this year, I'm not fully there this year, but know that my mother and I always did it together. So she's continuing with it up until I'm done and then I'll, I'll help her again. What a great story. And it reminds me of, um, I think it was it was Brian Chesky, one of the, the co-founders of Airbnb, when he was talking about why he developed it, why he came up with the idea. And he said, you just have to find the solution for a problem in your own life. And that's the essence of, of where you formed your brand and designing the dresses. 
And, and, and also in hindsight, I always knew I wanted to enter Miss South Africa, but through doing these little modeling competitions as a young girl, that's where my my passion for fashion design came, came forward, which I never expected. I mean, my brother and my sister, they, well, my sister wanted to be a doctor. So she did BC, BSc in the first year, but then she dropped out because we couldn't afford the studies. She started doing law with my brother because they had to pay for it they, themselves. They always knew what they wanted to do. And I just never knew this is the plan of action after school. Like I'm going to study this. Like I just never knew. I wasn't as passionate about something. Fashion design wasn't your traditional way of doing something. And also we couldn't afford sending me to fashion school, which was 80 odd thousand rand a year back then without your MacBook that you had to have and your textiles and I don't know what. So it just wasn't realistic for me to go to fashion school, even though I would have loved to go to uh, Fedisa or Lysolf, I would have loved to. It was just self-taught. And now I'm just not focusing on the sewing part of it. We have a seamstress for that, for that. And I'm doing more the business and the social media aspect, sourcing the textiles, the creativity behind it, and then doing all the detail work, which I always enjoy. So it is, like you say, like finding a way to make it work, but then realizing that's your passion as well. And then you want to make it bigger. I love it when stories and journeys come together and the beginning, you, you don't really know what the what the end is going to look like. You're listening to Humanity Woman in Unity. And today we're talking to Miss South Africa 2023, Natasha Joubert. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. With our show being a, a gender equality show, and the fact is that gender equality is becoming more and more of a focus. For instance, with the UN Development Sustainable Development Goals, they've got Goal 5, which is specifically about gender equality. And some of their themes and topics include aspects like ending all forms of discrimination against women and girls, recognizing unpaid care and domestic work, ensuring that women achieve full and effective participation and have exposure to equal opportunities. Given your experiences, given your exposures, what would be the one thing that you'd like to change, if you could, to benefit women in the future? Mm. I think we started simple things like equal pay, and it's a, it's a t topic that's been spoken on so many times, and we mention it, and we have all these regulations in big companies to say, if a company has a female CEO, then you get more work. But like, that's not really what it should be like. I think from get-go when you do interviews to have a fair way of looking at a male and a female doing the same interview for a job, uh, equal pay is where we start. That's number one for me. But then also, and I might go off a very, the way of I'm thinking now, if you look at things like even maternity leave, we only get, for instance, four months when it's the most crucial time of a child's life, how a woman can't even get a year to raise a child, like a new person in this world. I think things like that is also unfair towards us. Um, but then I do feel like I want to speak on the po positive side of that and seeing how many companies are putting that to the forefront of making sure that women is being recognized and is being given the opportunities. Um, on Friday, I was at a Suntum Future for Women event, and it was all about women entrepreneurs and then uh, getting 
uh, financial like if they win the category they get a financial investment in their company and i think that's something we need to prioritize more is big companies if you look at woolworths discovery or whatever to make sure that they are really focusing on driving women forward in everything that they do because we need the bigger sectors to actually play, play their part we can't just do it by speaking about it we just can't and if you think about it, especially in the retail sector, so the likes of, of a Woolworths, the majority of their customer base is women. 100%. And, and also, I think that's also why I respect my South Africa so much. They only do a, a women, a full women judging panel, women presenters. It's an all-women empowerment platform, and we need more of that. Because even though, yes, we are a little bit further, and I do feel like women is taking over the world, and even South Africa, it's still not fully there where people would look at a woman and feel like she's just as capable as a man to do a job. And I just can't understand why that is like that. I just can't understand that. You shouldn't have to understand that. <laughs> but yeah. It's it's this legacy of, of patriarchy that the people have had to fight through. And I firmly believe it's also seeing women in a in a different image. One of the stories that always resonates me with me is we had uh, the ambassador of, of Norway on the show once. And you know, they've they've had several female presidents. And she said she relayed the story of where there was a little boy in class and the the task was, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, can boys be presidents? And if you think about that in a world where no, women, I'm kidding. He'd, he'd been exposed to only female, only a female president, that was his perception of, of the world and, and who leaders were. And I think, as you were saying, this aspect of extended maternity leave, women have got so much power in terms of the new generations that they are, are bringing up. But having female representation, how much that also impacts on the psyche of, of men. But if you also, if we take it back to a typical work environment, they're almost too afraid to appoint a woman because when does she want, want a child? Because that's not going to work with us if she's, away for four months but we need to raise the next generation but how does that make sense because everyone thinks short term and not of the long-term picture and i think that's where we need to shift rules that's in in corporate companies like there needs to be equal men in in a corporate space as women and it's so sad that rules like that needs to be implemented for it to happen because we want it to, to happen naturally. We want it to happen organically. Where you just step into a, a big corporate company and you see all of them and not only like men everywhere in suits. Um, it's going to take time, but I think so, slowly but surely people are realizing. I spoke to the marketing head of Suntum on Friday and he's like, yo, you know, we are in Suntum now really pushing women empowerment and it's a, it's a guy. Uh, women empowerment for for this not next year but it's a big focus for them now and then I see their COO walking up and it's a woman and I'm like I fully understand why and I'm loving it um, so it's definitely becoming more of an issue that people are aware of and even though yes you don't want it to be forced you want people's minds to just think that way it just isn't there because that's how it's been for generations mm -hmm. 
Natasha, we are unfortunately running out of time. I, I wish that we had. I hadn't even felt like it. <laughs> I off my if only, if only we had more. So as we wrap up today's conversation, please, can you use this platform to share a few words of inspiration or, or motivation that you'd like to pass on to girls and women in the continent that are listening to us? Yes. So I do know that we we face different challenges, challenges that we don't necessarily have to, to explain to other people. But the one thing I always, always say, and it's a life philosophy that's helped me up until this day, is to never be a product of your circumstances, but be a product of the choices that you make. And you get to choose every single day, whether it's a small choice or whether that's a big choice. It might be a defining choice in your life. That's such a powerful message. Be the product of your choices. And the fact is that every day is a new day. We make choices. And we remake ourselves. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And really, thank you. It was so lovely. Like, I didn't even see it was this long already. It was so nice. Well, we'll have to have you back uh, maybe at the yes. end of your, your reign or on the next Natalia Jeffries view. Endeavor. Definitely. Or how you take your, your project forward. Uh, so thanks again. Thank you so, so much for your time. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity, and we have been talking to Miss South Africa 2023, Natasha Joubert.